Over the last few weeks, we've been going through the book of James. We're in a series we called Maverick. I've seen all of the Top Guns, and I think it's the only movie where the sequel was even better than the original. You can disagree with that all you want to and be wrong. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, not really. Um, I don't like to argue. I, I just do it too much. And so... If you want to argue that, we can. But um, I never knew. I never knew what a maverick. I never knew what a maverick was. I was like, maverick. That's cool. Like it's, it sounds cool. It's like something Pastor Dylan and Sierra named their dog. I was like, that's cool. What's maverick? He's like this big. I was like, that's not a maverick. That's a. <laughs> but a maverick. A maverick, according to Merriam-Webster, is unorthodox and independent-minded individual. That's what a maverick is. And so we define maverick, and I'm going to continue to say this, and hopefully some of us will actually begin to operate in it, specifically me. A maverick is someone who is willing to do things and go through things that other people are not. And I'm telling you, whether it's two years or 20 years, this culture is not going to allow Christians to casually blend in. In order to influence this culture on behalf of the kingdom of God, you are going to have to become unorthodox in your approach to actually living this thing out. I'm telling you, this culture is not going to allow us to just live like them, sprinkle in Jesus, and continue along our way. There's a line that is dividing the true followers of Jesus from those who just say they believe in him. And culture is going to cause us to become unorthodox individuals. In fact, I said it this way in first service. I believe that what is taking place right now is going to require unorthodox individuals to maintain eternal influence. And that was James. I, I believe, honestly, the devil thought he had James. Have you ever known somebody you just knew the devil had him? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden something happened. And they start talking in a way they've never spoken. They start behaving in ways. They stop behaving in ways. Why? Because a follower of Jesus produces the fruit of Jesus, right? So last week, we began uh, to dive into the more difficult aspects of James. It, it really wasn't very inspirational. In fact, I just named the message what it was, straight from the Scripture. Last week, I talked about worthless religion. And it wasn't really very encouraging. In fact, like, I didn't even feel good about it. I was like, man, I, that was hard for me. Worthless religion. Here's the problem. If there's something in the Bible that we all agree belongs there, and I just decide to skip over that aspect of Scripture because it doesn't feel good to my flesh, then I'm actually missing out on what God had for me to overcome and operate in, specifically in that area. So James 1.26 says, if you claim to be religious, and I grew up in the Bible Belt South, and there is no place in the world that has more people that claim to be religious. If you claim to be religious, and it's easy for me to speak to because I have been, okay, so understand, most of the time I'm preaching my own conviction, and I'm hoping that you just come along with me. If you claim to be religious, but you can't control 
your redneck Cajun tongue. <laughs> we live in the same state, guys, okay? So I know you'd like to feel like you're different. You're not. It's just another group of people behaving the same way with the same struggles. If you can't control your tongue, and here's what James says, then you're fooling yourself. And your religion, I didn't say it, James said it, is worthless. Thank God he didn't stop the book right there. Like that would have been, I was like, man, all right, God bless you. Have a great day. Good luck working that out this week. No, 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 he kept, he kept on. He actually goes in to what we label as chapter two. He's really just continuing the conversation. He gets down around verse 12 and 13 and he says, hey, listen, in fact, whatever you say and whatever you do, it's not on the screen. I'm, I'm tell, we just preached this last week. Like this was your memory verse last week. Y'all didn't know we had those? We do every week. You should memorize verse. Verse 12, whatever you say, whatever you do, okay, Make sure that you understand this. He gets down to verse 13 and says, Mercy always triumphs over judgment. And then today, last week we talked about worthless religion. This week I want to talk about a faith that works. Verse 14 of James chapter 2. This is the only scripture today that I'll read in the New Living Translation. The rest of them I'll read from the English Standard Version, but I like the way he said it in this one. He says, verse 14... What good, is, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Well, can that kind of faith save anyone? You know what a church that's not seeing anyone saved should be called? Closing soon. A body of believers that's not seeing anybody become a believer outside of the ones who have always been is a church that is on its way to being turned into a state farm building. And, and if you live here, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> or is that Farm Bureau? I don't know. <laughs> a church that's not seeing souls saved is a church whose faith isn't doing anything. And James addresses this issue of faith. Let me define faith quickly. Not in your notes. You're going to have to study this one out all on your own. Like, you, you bring your plate, bring your fork. I'm going to put food on it. Then you got to go eat it. Okay? You're going to have to pick it up, put it in your mouth, and feed yourself. It's just, it's just healthy for you. Okay? So here's the food. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Here's what faith is. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is being sure. S-U-R-E. Real big capital. Of what you hope. Man, I'm sure, I'm sure I hope. I'm sure of what I'm, I hope for and certain of what you do not see. That's faith. In fact, just a few verses later, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, so the author of Hebrews is making sure that we know, look, works alone is not going to get it done. On your best day, your best works are like filthy rags. And there are too many young years in here for me to go back to the original Greek and explain what a filthy rag, just know it wasn't a pleasant image that was being painted right there, okay? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. In fact, Paul told the church in Corinth that we walk by faith and not by sight, and if you follow Jesus for any time whatsoever, I'm telling you right now, let me just help you. He will ask you to do something that doesn't make sense. And then he'll start doing, doing things 
in times that you don't know how in the world he's going to get it done. And you're going to tell it to other people and they're going to say, you're crazy. You're like, I know. I'm sorry. I don't like it either. But when you say God said, you better be sure that God said. Don't just throw that out there as an excuse to be ignorant. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a good, I thought that was funnier than y'all did. That's okay. <laughs> we walk by faith and not by sight. And then here's, why is faith so important? Well, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, listen, it's by grace. This is really important that you've been saved through faith. But here's what we need to understand. Faith never comes alone. Never. In fact, it was John Calvin, you know, like the father of Calvinism, predestination only. You didn't choose God. You have no choice in the matter. God chose you. I don't believe that. I actually believe God is big enough to be both. He chose me, allowed me to choose him. It's really a beautiful relationship that we have. You know, it's kind of like her. First time I saw her, I chased her. I hit her over the head with a club. She's been stuck ever since. No, <laughs> that's not how that happened. I actually walked by and did like this and kept walking. I did that on purpose. Now, the whole time I was thinking, man, I hope she turned around. Man, I hope she turned around. She did. <laughs> I posted a video of my youngest daughter running, and, and then somebody was like, man, she's pretty quick. She get that from you or her mama. And I said, well, I called her, so you, you take your guesses. <laughs> it's up to you. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Faith never comes alone. <laughs> I'm not a big John Calvin fan, but John Calvin... With the idea of all that comes along with Calvinism, he actually said, faith alone justifies. It's not right. Because in the very next breath, he said this, however, faith that comes alone can never save. Why don't you just leave the first part off instead of trying to justify one side of the gospel and ignore the other side? Guys, faith alone can never save. Faith alone can never justify. It's like marriage requires intimacy, right? You, intimacy just goes in the marriage. Relationship requires trust. If you don't have one, you don't have the other. A promise, ever been promised something that somebody said one thing and did another? Or didn't do what they said. They overpromise, underdeliver. No, no, no. Promise requires follow through. This body, and James actually uses this example in the text. He says, This body, it requires a spirit, but the spirit requires a body in this life. Without the spirit, this is nothing but formed up dirt. You are a dirt body with a spirit dwelling in it. You're not a body. You're a spirit dwelling in a body. When the spirit's gone, we have a memorial service. Listen, that's how faith is. And James uses this example. It's like, it's like this bicycle. This was the best example. This is my son's bicycle. This is not mine. I've been inspired by the men and women of Eunice to bring my bicycle today. And I mean that, listen, if you rode a bicycle here, and I actually know a couple of the people that do ride a bicycle, and they are incredible people. They ride their bicycle all the way across town and go to work every day. It's a, a, an incredible person. 
Okay, um, this bicycle, it has multiple functions and, and no single device alone can do what the whole thing can do together. Okay, if I take the chain of this bicycle, and I'll just turn it around this way because the chain is right here. If I take the chain of this bicycle alone, it's, it's not going to do anything. I mean, it could like hold some stuff together, I guess, or I mean, we could play tug of war with it, or, you know, we could, I don't know, do the tortilla challenge or something. I, don't, we, <laughs> I want somebody to post that this week. I want you to tortilla challenge with a chain of a bicycle. Make, <laughs> Video it live. It's going to be great. Oh. All right. So anyways, the chain alone, the chain alone doesn't really serve much of a purpose. The wheel alone doesn't serve much of a purpose. What if I have the whole bike and no wheel? That's called stationary. Okay. That's not going anywhere. Now, unless you're a toddler and you want to ride one of those little glider bikes, you need pedals. Faith is like all of the parts of this bicycle. I would say, probably most significantly, the chain or the steering wheel. You ever ridden a bike without a steering wheel? If you do that, video it. Hook us up. In fact, tag me. I want to see. It's fun. Because they only work together. Hey, by the way, side note, can I just say real quick? If you don't ever grow out of this, then you'll get stuck here. See, this bike is not for me. It's for my son. In fact, as a daddy, actually my, my daddy Tim bought this bike for my son on his birthday. And so we took the bike home. And Gabriel looked at the bike and he goes, because he was small, right? He was earlier in life. He wasn't as far in his journey. And he looked at this bike, which looks small to me because of where I've grown and he looked from where he was, and he said, Daddy, I don't fit that. I was like, no, 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 son, that doesn't make sense in the English language. That's not how you speak. We're actually not from here. You say, Daddy, <laughs> Daddy I don't fit that. <laughs> it's not how we talk, son. <laughs> Sorry. He said, like, I can't ride that. I was like, hang on. <laughs> See, my mama told me, I can't doesn't go in our house. So he, I put him on the bike, and I sent him down a hill, said, good luck. No, that's not what I did. No, no, no. I put him on the bike, then I helped him, and he learned how to ride this bike. And now he can ride this bike without any issues, you know, until one of his friends or a little girl shows up, and all of a sudden he starts trying to do stupid stuff. I don't know where he gets that from. Must be his mama's side. He can ride the bike. He's actually reached a point where he has to raise the seat higher than he used to because he is growing. And eventually, come on, God's going to want to use another vehicle for him to travel and deliver what God produced. You can't stay here. you got to upgrade. You were created to grow just like your faith. Faith never comes alone. Paul said it this way to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, English Standard Version for the rest of the way. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Hey, I told you I grew up in North Louisiana, lived 
Um, I don't believe in purgatory, but if it existed biblically, it would also be referred to as Arkansas. <laughs> I mean that in the nicest way. Okay, both of my daughters were born there. I'm very grateful for those people. But uh, we were in purgatory, I mean Arkansas, for a season, which is also a reference to the Bible Bell South. Then we were in East Texas, and now we're down here in God's country with the greatest cooks in the whole world and pterodactyls for mosquitoes that sting like bees. It's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. I have lived predominantly in the highest ratio of self-proclaimed God believers in the entire world. And I, hear my heart, I know a lot of people who think they are headed to heaven who are not living for Jesus. And it is the concern of every breath that I take in this life. In fact, I live with a vision statement, and some of you have heard, this is my why for existence. It is to lead people to actually live for Jesus. And you should be secure. Come on, you should be confident of who you are in Christ if you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, then, then you learn and you grow and you examine and you evaluate and you adjust and you're in this journey from the day that you receive salvation, the gift of God that is eternal life, to the day that you take their last breath and you hear your heavenly Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. Be confident if you're in Christ, but if you're not, be convicted. Be convicted. Don't be condemned. That's demonic. But be convicted. Because God came so that you could examine, so that you could adjust, so that you could become like him. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in your faith. Test yourselves. Just like James said, you remember first week, count it a joy when your faith is tried and tested. I don't want to. How about we just agree I have faith <laughs> and my life just goes very well for me as long as I'm here. Well, that wouldn't be just. That wouldn't even be fair to the devil. But because he's just and he's fair, he gives us an opportunity. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you fail to meet or to even take the test. So, so don't walk around with this fear of failure. That's not what he's saying. But don't walk around with this false confidence. Live for Jesus. James examines three kinds of faith, and I'm not going to stay on the first one very long because I've actually already been describing it. The first faith that James examines is a faith that is dead. And it's frightening, but it doesn't have to be. As a father, an earthly father, who, by the way, still has evil tendencies, like I find pleasure in scaring people. I don't think Jesus does that. He could have, ah, except for that time that they thought he was dead, and then, poo, he was in the room. That was funny. <laughs> They're all in the room by themselves. Jesus is like, mm, I could knock on the door. I think I'll just go through this brick wall. Peace I give unto you. <laughs> when their ghost comes back into him, he blesses them. 
as a father, I don't want my children to fail. In fact, even when they do, I do everything I can to help them. When they call out to me, because when my bride calls out to me, I come, unless I feel like she's just probably hollering at me for something that I did that she doesn't like, and then I'm like, okay, I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> so I love you. Because you hear me, if we're in public, she didn't even have to call me by my name. She can just call me by what she knows me as. That's why I don't go with this whole, you got to call Jesus this, or you got to call the, you just call him what you know him as. And I'm telling you, he will come. Because ain't nobody on this earth ever called me babe except for my bride. But if I hear babe in a crowd, you better get out of my way. Because I'm going to see my bride. Oh, I want to preach right there, but I'm containing myself. When you call upon the name of your heavenly father, he will move hell itself out of the way to get to you. Because it is not his heart. It is not his heart to fail you. It is his heart for you to take the test. But y'all know when you were in elementary school and you raised your hand and your teacher was so kind, they got up from their desk and they came over and they said, yes. And then you went to high school and you still had some of them that were that way. And then you went to college and you were there in your freshman year and you thought that still all worked the same way. And you raised your hand and the professor looked at you like you were a fool and then made fun of you in front of them. I'm the only one that happened to it's like, He didn't see me. Hey. <laughs> now, see, God is the one that when you raise your hand, when you lift up holy hands in the worship center, when you raise your hand, he gets up from behind his desk and he comes over to you. Because why? Because he, he knew you needed help. He was just waiting on you to ask. But James examines a faith that's dead. He actually says this about it in verse 17. Faith by itself. See, this was so hard about getting stuck on one end of the spectrum. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, it doesn't even exist. It's a fantasy. It's a fairy tale. It's false confidence. James settles the argument between grace and truth. James settles the argument in this chapter. This is one of the best chapters in the Bible because James settles the issue between Calvinism and Arminianism, between predestination and free will, between faith and works, come on, between the law and liberty. Which one is it? No, wrong question. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In fact, it's the opposite, and I'm moving to the next point. It's the opposite of everything that I just said. Faith without works is a marriage with no intimacy. Faith, with, faith without works is a promise with no follow-through. Faith without works is a relationship with no trust. Faith without works, according to James, not me, I'm just communicating what he said. Faith without works is a body with no pneuma, with no breath, with no spirit. It's dead. James examines a faith that's dead. But this next one is the one that really concerns me. 
Verse 19, we see another one. Number two, James examines a faith that is deceived. A faith that is deceived. In James 2, verse 19, he says, You believe that God is one. I have met very few people in Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, Mississippi, Alabama that say they don't believe in God. I'm not saying they're not here. I'm just saying I haven't met a ton of them. I've met some. And they're actually easier to talk to than people that think that they do but won't live for him. I have met very few people who say they don't believe in God. My problem is I've met a ton of people that say they do. They just don't live like it. That's my concern. They live just like the people that say they don't believe in God. They do the same things before marriage. I know, that was hard. That was, that was tough. They do the same thing at Mardi Gras. Oh, I went there early this year. Cuss. Man, he usually waits till January to start that junk. <laughs> That's because this year I'm taking my wife and family. I'm going to drive 18 hours and not look at y'all's Facebook. Because most of the time during Mardi Gras, the only thing Christian on your Facebook is your religious preference. So I'm going snow skiing. <laughs> pastor Weston just found out he's going to pastor the church for a week during Mardi Gras. You know what I mean? <laughs> listen, hey, listen, hear me. You can, you can participate in cultural events without sin. Well, Jesus was a friend to sinners. That doesn't mean he sinned with them. If he did, his sacrifice was worthless. You believe that God is one? <laughs> I, look, I don't know. Maybe I just read everything as sarcasm because that's my nature. I feel like James just said, good for you. I don't know. It, English Standard Version translated it, you do well. You do well. It's good that you believe. Because <laughs> only a fool would say that there is no God. You do well. Because even the demons believe. I think a lot of them live in the Bible Belt South. And they exist in people who think they believe but won't live like they do. Even the demons believe and they shudder or tremble in fear. Guys, did, did you know that the devil is not an atheist? Lucifer believes in God. He just wasn't willing to surrender to him. Because there's a difference in saying that you have faith and showing that you have faith. Lucifer in a third of heaven, they believe in God. They just weren't willing to surrender to him with their existence, which is most of our problem. So Jesus came and he did it on our behalf. And we can look to him as the example. And it was Jesus that walked by the fig tree that didn't bear fruit and cursed it. Because faith without works is like a fig tree with no fruit. I mean, even the disciples were confused by it. They were looking at Jesus like a lot of y'all are looking at me like right now. And I'm not Jesus. Like, it'd be cool. I'd probably go live. If I walked up to a fruit, it's like, hey, film this. And I got no fruit on it. Curse you in the name of Jesus. I mean, dude, could you imagine? Peter would have a cow. Did you get it? 
All the tree huggers would come out of the woodworks. It's, I'm sorry. I've been a dad too long, you know what I mean? It's, a, it's like a fig tree with no fruit. It's fruitless. It's like lip service without a life surrendered. See, Isaiah described why Lucifer and how Lucifer was created. And Lucifer, most theologians believe, was one of the archangels of God created to reflect the glory of God, but because of his abundance of prideful, arrogant, receiving glory for himself. Does that sound familiar? He and a third of heaven were removed from the kingdom of God. Don't you find it interesting that a third of heaven fell and Jesus came back and told his disciples only about a third of the people that hear this are going to believe? Because in the garden, God created the dirt, breathed into the dirt, said, I'm going to create you in my image and my likeness. And Paul said, we were created in the image and for the glory of God. God created us to replace Lucifer and a third of heaven. Hell wasn't created for you. He created you for him to reflect his glory. But then Isaiah said, you honor God with your mouth, but your social media is far from him. You honor God with your mouth, but your heart, how you know what's in my heart? You judgmental, Bible-beaten, condemnational Christian. No, no, no. All I got to do is look at your life. Because your heart will show me what is, I'm sorry, your habits will show me what's in your heart. And listen, I'm not receiving an offering a special offering. We were going to worship God with our giving today because that's biblical. But if I really want to know what you care about, I just need to look at your bank account. In fact, if you want to know what I care about, all you got to do is look at my giving statement. See, if I want to know who's really in control of your life, then all I have to do is look at where you invest what God has given you. Your time, your ability, your talent, and the finances that you earn with your time, your ability, and your talent. And wherever those are, that's where your heart is. I didn't say that. Jesus did. I'm just repeating it. So I'm encouraging you today. Don't be deceived. It was James that said that. I don't want you to be deceived. See, James examines a faith that is dead, and James examines a faith that is deceived because like our heavenly Father, he wants us to have a faith that works. Like I, the pastor of this church, he wants us to have a faith that is dynamic. That's point number three. And this is the closing. It's a long closing, but it's a closing. I need four football minutes. Some of you have minutes. What in the world? <laughs> We're going to post this one. A faith that is dynamic. Because faith alone, come on, by itself, it's dead. You believe in God? Awesome. So does Lucifer in a third of heaven. But watch, he continues. Jump with me down to verse 21. James says, was not Abraham the father of Judaism? 
our father, because James was a Jew, justified by works. Come on, he's, he's not talking about a works-based salvation. No, no, no. Paul already addressed that. Not by works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. See, your works without faith are filthy rags. Come on, but your worth, your works with faith impact eternity. For you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. This is not an either and conversation. This is a faith and works conversation. Abraham, our father, was justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. Every miracle in scripture requires obedience on behalf of the person that the miracle was performed. We said that a couple of weeks ago. You will not see Almighty God's power unless you give obedience to Almighty God. It's a life surrendered to Jesus. Verse 22, you see that faith, I love this, was active along with his works. He didn't just say he believed, he showed it. The Bible continues, faith was fulfilled or completed. It was fulfilled, like Jesus fulfilled the law. The law without Jesus only served part of the purpose. Jesus without the law wouldn't have had anything to serve because the law defined sin and Jesus who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. James explains the kind of, don't get stuck on one side or the other. No, he's talking to these people who wanted to get stuck. Faith was completed by his works. Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled. The scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called, guys, I've got to be their disciplinarian. I have to be their daddy. But by the time my children get into their early 20s, I don't want to just be their father. I want our relationship to be so strong that we're friends. I married my best friend. I need trust and intimacy in the friendship. That's what God wants for us. Trust and, and intimacy and an examination and adjustment that you, like Abraham, would prove to yourself what God already knows he put in you, that his presence is more fulfilling than his promise, that you would lay the promise down and say, God, if I can't have your presence, I don't even want the promise. This is not, this is not about performing for God. I don't need my children to perform for me. I think it's funny. Like, Daddy, watch this. <laughs> okay, what now? <laughs> I usually try to find my camera because I don't want to just see it. I want to remember it. And most of the time, I want to post it. I just, don't you post that. I'm not. 
gonna post it on my timeline and put it in my story so more people will see it. <laughs> God, he, your relationship with God is not based on your performance for Him. But your performance for Him will be based on your pursuit of Him. We don't perform for God. We pursue His presence. And when you pursue, you will produce the fruit. It's just the byproduct of the pursuit. That when you pursue His presence, you produce the fruit of the pursuit of His presence. That's what Abraham did. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. Faith was completed by what Abraham was willing to act upon. Tucked in between all of these verses is the solution in verse 18. It's where we're going to hang our jacket today. Verse 18 says, someone will say, you have faith, but I have works. Those are religiously arrogant people that say, you have faith. I have works. Look what I can do. Those are the ones that Jesus came to address. And that's why James is readdressing these people. But James goes on to say, you show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. See, when Paul wrote to the church in Philippi and said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, it had nothing to do with scoring a touchdown, hitting a home run, or making an A on an exam in this life. It had to do with being content no matter your circumstances. No matter what was going on in this world, you understood that you are not of this world and neither is the one that you follow. So James says, you show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Because faith alone is dead, and even the devil believes, come on, but faith and works is a revelation that you actually believe what you say. And I promise you, I was hesitant to do this because it is not my objective to show off today, but I wanted to make it memorable. And so I went and got not as heavy and not as much as I wanted to originally because I haven't stretched and I haven't done anything but go and pick these things up in first service and almost pass out and you'll see why. I think, by the way, that some of us need to wake up and understand that we weren't created to slip into sin that day. The Bible says when you wake up, when you get up, when you go out, put on the Lord Jesus. Don't even give an opportunity for sin that it would gratify its desires. Put on the whole armor of God. Remember this this week. When you wake up, chalk up because the enemy is about to throw something at you. But when you're not sweaty and scared, you'll handle it just fine. Okay, so... And I didn't know who all would be here today. And again, I was hesitant to do this. I, I trained for a year to learn how to do this. I was, I was, I don't, I'm not, I'm not bragging, I'm showing you something. In fact, my wife this morning, she prayed, Lord, she was praying over, she does this every week. She was praying over me 
And I'm sitting there and I'm drinking my coffee and she's praying over me. She said, Lord, let this illustration be memorable today. And I was like, whoa, hang on, time. Look, I pray specific prayers. Lord, let this thing go according to plan and even better in the name of Jesus. Do not make me an example of somebody's memory in the name of So I became a graduate assistant before I realized what God wanted me to do is between baseball and seminary and school and et cetera, et cetera. I became a graduate assistant with USA Weightlifting trained with Olympians. I never was one, not even close, but I learned how to do the stuff. So I trained to be able to properly handle the weight. And what used to overwhelm me was not nearly as big of a deal anymore. One of the first things that I learned was that it is important how you begin. Come on, your posture before God is one of the most important aspects of your relationship with God. If you don't have the right stance, you're not going to have the right structure. So you got to get your stance correct. And so I learned the stance, and I learned the grip, and I learned the technique. Right now, Pastor Dylan pointed this out, this is nothing more than potential energy. When you receive salvation, you're, you're just potential. In fact, before you receive salvation, you were potential. But when you admit and, and confess the faith, you become the potential of God Almighty in front of this entire culture. But then faith has to have works come alongside it so that it goes from potential energy, come on, to kinetic energy or active energy. So you get the weight, you hang on to the weight, you get your stance, you get the grip, you pray in the name of Jesus that you don't hurt yourself in front of everybody, and you clean the weight. And I went lighter. This is really heavy to some people and not so heavy to others. And they're like, that's lightweight. For me, it's heavy right now to hold and preach. I don't want to keep it here. I can't handle it right here. I got it for a moment, but I need it to move into a different position. And now, for a moment, like Jesus carried the cross... Come on, in Christ, I can bear this burden. Come on, in Christ, I can overcome this chemo. In Christ, I can face this sickness. In Christ, I can deal with this anxiety. In Christ, I can rebuke this depression. In Christ, I can endure the trial, and I can even learn how to count it a joy, because I can do all things through Christ Jesus. but I don't plan on doing this. Jesus is carrying the cross. You remember? Up the Via Della Rosa to the hill of Golgotha. And the Bible says in his humanity, he drops the cross. Now he could have made that cross float up to that hill. But he decided to give a divine illustration that the world would never forget and allow somebody else, this is so good, in his group. And today we know the name 
of Simon from Cyrene because Jesus wanted us to see that even he had to let somebody in. Micah, Will, you next. We got one more service. So now, I'm not alone. All right, let's lift this thing. All the way, ready? One, two, three. It's even lighter than it was a minute ago. Because like Jesus, I've allowed somebody to come into the picture. You weren't created to carry this burden alone. You need help. We talked about this. This is why groups and discipleship are so important. You were created to meet people and grow closer to God together. Now watch this. The weight that I needed just perfect form for, they're helping me stabilize. And now, man, it's not nearly as heavy as it will. Where are you going? <laughs> Keep friends like Micah in your life. Now, you know what's funny is Will moved down here from Chandler, Texas, because he wanted to be a part of what God was doing in Eunice. And I don't pay him a dime. He moved down here not knowing where he was going to work because he believed that God had called him to do ministry in Acadiana, not on staff, just to come and to serve and to grow and to watch what God does. Now, watch this. I'm going to have y'all lift it over and over again. Follow Micah's lead, okay? You follow Micah's lead. Okay, so now it's not as heavy down. Up. I can do this all day. I'm not even doing anything. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I'm just in a group. I'm just in a group. I'm a part of the body of Christ, so the weight is not as heavy as it was before. All right, y'all do a couple of reps just for good measure. Now watch this. Hang on, hang on. Now they're doing hospital visits. Now they're giving. Now they're serving. Now they're praying with people. I don't have to go do everything that the body of Christ is perfectly equipped to accomplish. I can go deal with some new devils. And the enemy's over here going, what in the world? What happened to the weight I threw on Chris? And Jesus said, I put people in his life that can handle any weight you throw at him. And he's going to go over here and help somebody else. Y'all can sit down. The that James is trying to get across to us is he does not want us to have a faith that is dead, just has potential, that just dreams and never does, that expects pastors to do what God's people are anointed. Come on, you don't pay me to do what God called you to do. God put me to do what only I can do. And that's the church that works. Because Jesus wants us to have a faith that works. Not alone works, filthy rags. Alone, faith is dead. Together, know Jesus. Find freedom, discover purpose, 
and transform Acadiana for the kingdom of God. Train and raise up students in this generation that will become missionaries all around the world and carry the gospel further than we could have ever carried it because we decided to initiate the faith that God has given us for such a time as this. Faith that works.